In central Arizona during the summer, no matter what time of day it is, it can always get hotter. And as I stepped out of my car on the morning of June 10, 2008, with the temperature already in the mid-90s, I had the distinct feeling it was going to be a particularly hot one. I'd never been to this part of Mesa, Arizona before, but taking in my surroundings, I noticed that the streets had the quiet feel of the suburbs. The neighborhood was the picture of urban tranquility, and if the empty driveways were any indication, most residents were already at work that Tuesday morning. There wasn't even a dry gust of wind stirring the trees or the sound of children playing, but I wasn't surprised by this apparent calm. I'd learned a long time ago that most murder scenes are eerily silent in the aftermath of the violence. At 8.35 that morning, I'd received a phone call from Sergeant Dana McBride, a supervisor with the Mesa Police Department, notifying me of a homicide and asking me to respond to the scene so that I could conduct a walkthrough before the victim's body was removed. The investigation was nascent, and there was only very basic information he could share. A 30-year-old man named Travis Alexander had been murdered inside his own home. I was in my twelfth year with the Homicide Bureau of the Maricopa County Attorney's Office in Phoenix, Arizona, having transferred to the unit in October 1996. Prosecutors assigned to the Homicide Bureau are required to take on-call shifts, and in the event that a murder occurs during their shift, that prosecutor must go to the scene in order to become familiar with the intricacies of the case and meet with the detectives and officers working to make an arrest. Technically, my 24-hour on-call shift had ended at 8 a.m., and the call had come in after this. But although the schedule indicated that I was done at 8 o'clock, I didn't agree with such a strict approach. Besides, given that the body had been discovered the previous evening while I was still on call, it only seemed fair that I respond, rather than shirk the responsibility onto the next on-call attorney on the list. The facts that I had learned from the sergeant on the phone were that the victim shared a home with two roommates who had not seen him in a couple of days. On the evening of June 9, 2008, a friend, Marie Mimi Hall, worried about Travis's recent lack of communication, had stopped by his house. When no one answered the door, she called two friends to come meet her so they could go inside together, because she was afraid to enter on her own. One of Travis's roommates, who happened to be home and had not heard Mimi at the front door, then unlocked the master bedroom door, and the group found Travis's nude, contorted, decomposing body in the shower of the ensuite bathroom. Mimi immediately called 911 and alerted police to the situation at 10.27 p.m. Sergeant McBride added that he did not know how the victim had been killed. After hanging up, I left the office and began the approximately 30-mile drive to Mesa, a city in the East Valley. Travis Alexander's home was located in a bedroom community miles from the center of the city. As I'd driven through his neighborhood, it seemed the kind of place where people move to raise their kids. And while there are many places of worship for many denominations, I knew the area to be particularly Mormon. Grocery stores stay open late. Movie theaters and restaurants abound. 
Crime, even petty offenses, was infrequent, and usually the only violence that touched their lives was what the residents saw on television. Travis's home was an upscale tract house, similar in style to the others in the subdivision, tan with brown trim and a Spanish-style roof. When I arrived, I walked up to the officer guarding the front door and let him know that I was ready for my walkthrough whenever the lead investigator, a detective named Esteban Flores, was ready for me. I hadn't worked with Detective Flores before, but I knew that he was reputed to be methodical and thorough in his investigations. A half hour later, I was allowed inside the home, and after I covered my shoes with protective booties, Detective Flores, a stocky former Marine in his late thirties with close-cut black hair, met me just inside the front door. As my eyes adjusted from the sunlight outside, I began to focus on each detail in the home as it was presented to me. The main reason for having prosecutors in the Homicide Bureau on call was that doing a walkthrough of the location where the murder occurred gave us first-hand knowledge of the scene and victim.